prophet Isaiah says that God says, I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, never again will I give your grain as food for your enemies and never again will foreigners drink for the new wine for which you have toiled. But those who harvest it will eat it and praise the Lord. And those who gather the grapes will drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. This is the word of the Lord. It is with fear and trembling that I come up and talk, um, but it's so lovely to be able to look out and actually think, hey, I'm amongst friends, so I just pray that of something that I say tonight um, will touch your hearts and it'll be something that God has just, just for you. So, Anne, can you hear me? Good. <laughs> uh, I don't know uh, how you like to spend your summer holidays, but I know that often as a child and then as a mum, we were on the beach in the very north coast of Northern Ireland, on the cold north coast of Northern Ireland, where I often sat with a shawl or a rug around my shoulders, and Joss had the most fantastic time building sandcastles and playing with the children. Um, and, and the sandcastles were really good. They might have started off simply, but then they got bigger, they got better, they had defences, and then they started to have walls, and they had different defences and, and towers. Um, and it just was, made me think of that when we had our first reading this evening, where it talks about the watchmen being on the walls. And um, Isaiah was writing these words. I know this isn't uh, Jerusalem as when Isaiah was talking about it, but uh, they had been, the, the people had been away in exile, and Isaiah was saying, we're coming home, we're going to have Jerusalem, we'll have these walls, there'll be watchmen on it. We've been away, we're going to come home, we'll have strong towers with watchmen on it to protect us. So these watchmen were here. And as I started to think about these sandcastles, you know my husband was a, a retired Royal Marine, so we used to get lots of, of instruction as to why we had defences, what the towers were for. Look, there's a weakness there. You know, the sea could come in at that part of the wall. So there was a, a lot of uh, interest and things to learn about. Um, were best to, to seek for strong defences. And so I feel that we can get something spiritual out of what these watchmen were for. 
So we can apply these verses to us in a, in a few different ways. So firstly, we are the watchmen. We're here interceding for our family, for our friends, for our church family here at St. Jude's. And we meet in this building, and just like Jerusalem had the walls around it, we've got these walls here. So we're praying protection on this place. Uh, we're praying for protection on those that we love as we come to meet together. We're praying protection um, for our leaders and for each other. So the watchmen were there protecting the people within the city. But secondly, the watchmen also looked out over the walls of the city to see the dangers beyond. And that's what we should be doing uh, as interceding on behalf of others. We're the watchmen looking out for that danger. We look out beyond the walls of this building into South Sea. We look beyond into Portsmouth, into our country and into our fallen, broken world all around us. You know, we're the Christians who have that direct link with God. We don't need to get down on our knees to pray five times a day facing the East. We don't need to go and bring various gifts and donations and give them to other gods at the temple. We have access to the one true living God. So let's look outside and have that access at any time, not just when we're in the building, but wherever we are. Um, let's be aware of what's going on in the world. Let's um, be able to pray about things and intercede uh, for our broken world. And as watchmen standing on those gates and towers, we need to be alert. We need to watch out for the enemy that prowls around like a lion. We need to give out those warning shouts to raise the alarm. You know, as a church, there's so much going on in the world. And I believe as a church, we should be interceding. We should be... Um, praying for what society is coming up against, what we in society are coming up against all the time. And the commentators, as I was reading these few verses, some of them thought the watchmen were really like the prophets who were warning people as they were moving away from God's ways. And they were giving them, raising the alarm, telling them what God's ways were. And I feel strong, you know, we as a church, we should be standing up and be prepared um, to raise the alarm, to say, look, these are God's ways. Society's moving away from that. Let's get back to God's ways. Let's be blessed by God and follow him. And fourthly, watchmen, they stood in those places of safety, the strong towers, the strong walls, but they also went to the places where there was weakness, where the walls were crumbling, where there was an attack. Um, maybe there's, there's been erosion, maybe there had been an attack, or there's been misfortune or carelessness in building the walls. 
So we're called to be like them and to stand in that gap, that gap of weakness when we intercede for whatever is on our heart and on behalf of those who are in need, for those people who are finding times are difficult, for those who are in trouble, for those who are in danger, for those who grieve. We can pray for those who can't pray, who have forgotten how to pray. We can pray for those who even refuse to pray and for those who need support in their struggles, for those without hope and for those without God. Fifthly, we've been going through these last few weeks um, a whole course of back to basics. We've been learning um, how Jesus is at the heart of everything. We're focused on the cross. We've been reborn. We're assured of our salvation. We should be pursuing holiness and how we can do that. And we have the spirit to lead us closer to Jesus. And we're listening to God, but we're interceding and we're interceding not just for ourselves. We come to prayer, and rather than be focused on ourselves, let's intercede for others. Intercession for others should be at the heart of our prayer life. It takes the focus away from us, takes the focus away from me and my troubles. Um, it stops me being the center. It stops me thinking of what I need emotionally, material, physically, or whatever. Um, but we can intercede for others. Interceding means turning our attention to God and the needs of others. It shows us that we believe and follow a God who acts. We're praying to God because we're praying on behalf of others. And we're praying to God because we know he answers our prayers and acts on behalf of others. I don't know if many of you follow Facebook, but um, the St. Jude's page to, uh, this week had a wonderful story uh, that Rosie put up, and she actually shared it in the prayer today, and, and I was wanting to share it too. And it's just one way of how prayers that have been prayed in this church, where we have been interceding, and um, this was a result, and we could see an outcome of some of these prayers. It's, it's on christianpost.com, Christian or on the St. Jude's uh, face page. And it's a report from a YWAM worker. I just want to read what it said. One of our YWAM workers in the Middle East was contacted by a friend earlier this year. And they met up. And he was, introduced, he was introduced to an ISIS fighter who had already killed many Christians. The YWAM leader went on to share that this Islamic state jihadi confessed not only to killing Christians, but that he had actually enjoyed doing so. He told the YWAM leader that he had begun having dreams of this man in white who came to him and said, you are killing my people. The jihadi started to feel really sick and uneasy about what he was doing. 
And the YWAM worker said, the fighter said, just before he killed one Christian, the man said, I know you will kill me, but I give to you my Bible. The Christian was killed. And this ISIS fighter actually took the Bible, began to read it. And in another dream, Jesus asked him to follow him. And now this fighter was coming and asking to be a follower of Jesus and to be discipled. We had been praying that God would work amongst ISIS, amongst those fighters, and we are praying to a God who acts. And sixthly, watchmen on the walls, they're not just the nuns, the sisters of Bethany, and the monks in the monastery. They're not just the intercessory group who meet here on a Wednesday morning. They're not just those who come along to the Saturday morning prayer breakfast. But we are the watchmen. Each one of us is called to intercede. We don't need any special training or commissioning like Chris was this morning. We don't need that to pray. If God is putting something on your heart, pray about it. When you drive along, if you're listening or watching the news, pray about it. And be that watchman who's interceding. We're going to stop before we have the second reading. And I'm going to ask, I think Victoria's doing the prayers, um, to come. And um, we're going to put this intercessions into practice. And I want, as Victoria leads us in those intercessions, to be really with her, to be really praying with her. Now, we're going to miss her amens and hallelujahs because she's going to be up here leading it. So let's the rest of us, as we listen to what she says, really get into it. Let us say, Amen, Hallelujah. And let's together intercede on behalf of others. Thanks, Victoria. Second reading, it's from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 35, through to the first verse of chapter 10. The workers are few. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it's a privilege, isn't it, that we can intercede for others. We can be active and be looking outwards. We can be those watchmen on the walls. 
Jesus interceded for us, for many people as he prayed. Um, And yet we've just read uh, from Acts how Jesus saw his task as teaching and preaching, and then he had compassion on the people. And, And he asked the disciples to do likewise, and he sent the disciples out to do the same. So just some questions for us. We heard earlier on how we pray to a God who acts. How do, so do we listen to what God is asking us to do? Are we seeking to follow and serve him? Our prayers resource us, strengthen us, and empower us to go out into those fields and work with and for God. So do we listen? In the Great Commission at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus sends his disciples out to baptize and make disciples of all the nations of the earth. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus tells the disciples to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So when we become followers of Jesus, this is what he wants us to do, to go into the fields and work by going out to make disciples and to be his witnesses. So where do we do that? Our Jerusalem is where we live and where we work here, South Sea. Our Judea is our country, the UK, our Samaria and to beyond. Well, the, the, the whole earth is our limit. You know, when I got married, um, I had lived all of my my life over in Northern Ireland. Most people in Northern Ireland in my day, I think it's changed a bit now, used to go to church on Sundays. That was just what you did. Now, of course, it was during the years of the the Troubles, so admittedly, there was a lot of church going, but maybe not as much love going on. But anyway, when I came over to England, I was actually quite shocked because I came into an environment where very few people went to church. And I was actually really quiet about my involvement with Jesus. And I suspect that not many people in the environment, in in my Jerusalem where we lived, amongst the military wives and families, I'm really ashamed to say, I don't know how many of them knew that I was a follower of Jesus. I shared very little about my faith. That's awful when I look back on it. And so we're interceding on behalf of others, but we're interceding for each other to be strengthened and empowered to go out and not to be ashamed that we are followers of Jesus. God has work for each one of us to do. And as we've been following this Back to Basics um, course, it's good to be reminded that we are his workers, that God chooses to work with us. Um, We are the ones he uses to go out into the fields to work for, for him. 
Just before Easter, um, I felt a real nudge from the Lord to go to visit a lady who has motor neurone disease. And, you know, life was busy and I hadn't got round to visiting her and I put it off. And every so often I would really feel this call to go and do it. And eventually, thankfully, I, I went to visit her and I managed to see her, spend some time with her and pray with her. And she was getting progressively worse. And two days after I had been and prayed with her, she died. And I just feel such a privilege uh, that I was able to go and just to help her, to help her turn her thoughts to the future, to help her turn her thoughts to God and to pray with her before she died and before she met him face to face. Now that's an example of something really small, but God has a mission for each one of us. Um, and it took me a long time, well, a few weeks to actually go and listen and do it. So let's listen to what God is calling for each one of us to do. Um, and it's to go out, it's to preach and teach and have compassion on people. It's not just enough to have compassion. We need to share about Jesus as well. And it's not, it's not good enough just to preach and teach we need to show compassion as well. And we can't just depend on Michael standing up and spreading the gospel. Um, each of us is called as followers of Jesus to go out into those harvest fields and to gossip the gospel. David Watson, who's a real hero of Joss's, um, who died, well, quite a few years ago, he said, our evangelism should spontaneously flow from our church services and fellowships out into the streets, the homes and places of work where people are. Or as Jesus put it, into the fields which are ripe for harvest. You know, we may not actually see the harvest being gathered in and see those people coming into the kingdom, but we can work with God to prepare the soil, to plant the seeds, to water and weed, so that the harvest will be fruitful. And just lastly, when we're thinking about being active and in our missions, um, some people are called to actually go abroad and work in foreign fields. We pray for those missionaries here in church. And even missionaries come to the UK. We need other people to come. Um, so perhaps God just might be calling some of you to go into those foreign fields on a mission, a short-term mission even. You get so much for being able to go and to work and to just spread the gospel elsewhere. And that's one thing that enthuses us and empowers us and strengthens us. As we can do that somewhere else, then we get the confidence to come back and to do it at home amongst our friends and our neighbours. So, as we intercede to the God who acts, be aware that God changes and acts in each one of us. 
God calls us to follow Jesus, to preach and teach and to have compassion wherever we are, whether our fields of work are in South Sea, inner city London, the jungles of South America, wherever God calls each one of us. And I just want to read a letter, um, end by reading this letter from a Kenyan Christian. And she was interceding, she was working, she was preaching, and she was um, showing compassion, and she was gossiping the gospel on Facebook of all places. And I'll just tell you what she said on Facebook. This lady was a popular, or is a popular radio presenter in Kenya. And she wrote an open letter on her Facebook page after uh, the Christians had been killed in the university, if you remember, just before Easter. She said, Dear Al-Shabaab, you have claimed responsibility for taking the lives of 147 Christian students. I'm sad for their families who have to live with the loss, but I'm not sad for the students themselves. Theirs was a beautiful death. If I were to choose the manner in which to die, I would choose the same as a defender of my faith. I assume you deliberately chose this time because it is Easter, the time Christ laid down his life for us all. Yes, even for you. Why? To mock him, perhaps? Well, I have news for you, Al-Shabaab. You are not the first. Over 2,000 years ago, there was an angry mob that mocked him, jeered him and made fun of him, baying for his blood. There were Roman soldiers who spat on him, beat him, yanked out his beard, whipped him, put a crown of thorns on his head and nailed him to the cross. They had rejected him as their Messiah, even though they knew exactly who and what he was. They had seen his miracles, they had heard his words. Who knows what causes men to deliberately do what is wrong, to deliberately choose the evil path? I don't know. All I know is that Jesus looked to the criminals alongside him, at the mobs, soldiers, and religious leaders, and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The cross didn't kill Jesus. The Romans didn't kill Jesus. The Sadducees and Pharisees didn't kill Jesus. Jesus willingly gave up his earthly life for precisely the scene he was witnessing. He paid the penalty for the sins we commit in our ignorance and even the ones we commit deliberately. So to all you Ab-Shabaab guys who have killed my Christian brothers and sisters, I forgive you. Yes, you heard me right, I forgive you. As you fill your heart with hate, just as those angry mobs did 2,000 years ago, I will fill my heart with love like Jesus did, for truly you know not what you do. I'm not mourning. I have joy in my heart this Good Friday, and I'll tell you why. Jesus will die at 3 p.m. and rise again. So will the students you have slain. Yes, they will rise. 
Eternal life is promised to all who believe in him. Kill us all, we will rise. Your plan to put a damper on Easter has merely served to remind me why I observe it in the, fir in the first place. People like you, you are the reason he died on the cross, to give you salvation if you repent. I don't hate you, I love you, I forgive you. Happy Easter, everyone. God bless Kenya. What a way to witness, to go out into those fields, to preach, to gossip of the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus, and yet have compassion. And that's what Jesus calls for each one of us. So Lord, help us to listen to you. Put on your, our hearts those things that concern you. Show us where you want us to prepare to cultivate and to bring in the harvest of your kingdom, whether it be in South Sea, elsewhere in the UK, or to the furthermost corners of the earth. Amen.